0: It's good to see everybody. The passage that was read to us in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14, 15 be the text for our lesson this morning. In this passage, Paul uses a couple different figures to speak of the church's great mission and responsibility. He first speaks of the church as a family in the household of God, and that's what we are as God's people. We are Members of a godly family, bought by the blood of Jesus, and our relationship is even stronger many times than the the blood relationship that we have in our physical families. Those who are Christians many times are closer, and God intended to be that way, than even our own blood kin. We're a family, God's household. Then He uses the idea of the church being The Pillar and the Support of the Truth of God. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. He says that the church is the household of God, the family of God. He says the church, these people, are the pillar and the support of the truth. Now we don't understand what a pillar is. A pillar is a column that upholds something, that undergirds something. It is a support a bulwark, if you will, base, or something that holds steadfastly. Um, pillar in the support, he says, of the truth. You think about the church being that to what God has set forth as the truth. When you think about the responsibilities that we have as God's people, Family of God, there's a lot of responsibilities. When you think about it, being a family, we have responsibilities to one another in our service and encouragement and upbuilding of one another. But here he's talking about our responsibilities that we have to the truth of God. When you think about being a, like a column that upholds or undergirds the truth of God, when you think about being a bulwark or a a base that holds something steadfastly—that's what we have to be to the truth. So you think about a pillar of support. That's what we think about when we think about those words. When you when you think about what the truth is that we're to uphold, what is truth? Uh, in John eighteen chapter verse thirty-eight. When Jesus stood before Pilate, Pilate said, "What is truth? Well, what is it?" Anything about what truth is, anything about what God is. In Psalm seventy-one, and verse twenty-two, we see that God is truth. He said, "I will also praise thee, even thy truth, O God." God is a God of truth. There's no variation or shifting shadow with God. God is always true, true to himself, and whatever he says, whatever he stands for, he's the truth. Psalm 117, and verse 2, the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Praise the Lord. The, the Lord's truth is forever truth. God is everlasting, and his truth, therefore, is everlasting. So when you think about the truth, you think about knowing God, if you want to know truth. How you come to know God? We come to know God. There are certain things, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 and following, there are certain things in the, in the creation around us that that show us who God is and and some of his divine attributes are seen in the the things that he does and is created and the the blessings that we receive from him. But the main way in which we come to know God, to know him uh, personally, and to know him intimately, is through his word. Jesus, when he prayed in John the 17th chapter, verse 17, he's talking about his disciples there. He said, Sanctify them in truth, thy word is truth. So, God is a God of truth, and therefore his word is truth. And Jesus wanted his disciples to be set apart, sanctified in God's word, in his truth. Now, there's a lot of people who have in mind that they they know God and they know his Word, but they only want to take part of his word. They want to apply only part of his word, whether it be in the worship, and what they do as a church of God's people. But the church is to be the pillar and the support of the truth in totality, not just partially, not what you want to pick and choose. That's not the truth. Psalm 119, verse 160 says, The sum of thy word is truth, and every one of thy righteous ordinances is everlasting. So the sum, or the King James Version says, From the beginning unto the end, thy word is truth. So the sum, all of God's word is truth. So to know the truth is to know God, God's a God of truth. His word is truth. And that's all summed up in Jesus. And that's why in John chapter 1 and verse 1, when we begin to speak about the ministry of Jesus, And who he is, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. To speak of Jesus is to speak of God, for he too is God. Jesus, therefore, is called the Word. And when God wanted to get his mind across to us, what his truth was, he sent Jesus, the Son, into this world. And he is the very representation of his glory and his truth. It says in John chapter 1 and verse 14, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. If you want to know God, if you want to know his Word, you look at Jesus. Jesus is the personification of truth. He is truth in the flesh, God in the flesh. In fact, in verse 17 of that chapter, it says the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So, Paul says that the church, the family of God, the household of God, is to be a pillar, a support of the truth. And the truth is everything that that God is and that God stands for, all that is revealed about him in his word and all these things, of course, are summed up in the life and the example of his son, Jesus. And Jesus said that you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, Paul's talking about a great responsibility when he says that we're to be the pillar and the support of the truth. You think about that. Why does the truth need our support? Why do we need to to be a pillar to the truth. The truth doesn't need anything that we have as far as its veracity. It doesn't need uh, anything that we could do for it to be accurate. It doesn't depend on us for its power. Paul said it's the power of God into salvation. It's all sufficient with or without us. In fact, Jesus said in Luke 21 and verse 33, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word, the truth, shall not pass away. So the word of God, the truth, doesn't depend upon us in so many ways, but there are some things that it depends upon solely upon the church. And I think here lies our responsibility that we want to talk about this morning. He said you are... The family of God, the household of God, the pillar and the support of the truth. Who is? The church is. What's the church? Well, we're familiar with what this where this word comes from. Ecclesia means called out. Ek means out. Like exit. Kaleo is the word for call. So it's the called out. That's literally what the church is. And so we ought to think about when we go into worship. Really, don't think about going to church, except in the sense that we're going together with those who are called out. We are coming to the assembly of the called out, coming to the assembly of the church. And what does the church do? Well, the church is the people who worship God, who come together to worship God. When we give on the first day of the week, we don't give to the church. We are the church. The church gives to the Lord. The treasury doesn't belong to the church. It's not the church's money that we've given. We've given to the Lord. And it's the Lord's money. And we're to use his money in his way as he directs according to the truth. The church is God's people who are, who are called out people. When you think about First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 14. He called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who are we? We're those who've been called out. Called out of what? Called out of the world. Called out of sin by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for what reason? That we might gain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we call people by the gospel, you call them to be saved, right? Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be, what? Saved. It's a call of salvation, a call of coming out of sin in order to be saved. So that you might receive the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's amazing to me, isn't it to you? You think of the glory that Jesus has. You think of the glory that Jesus has as the Son of God. He says, we've been called, called out of the world, that is. Called out of the world by the gospel that we might gain that glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the church. Look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. We've been delivered. That right? We've been redeemed. We've been bought out. Bought back. And brought out of a domain of darkness, of sin, and a lost condition. That's where everybody is before they come to Christ. And are become a part of God's household the family of God, the church. Every individual here, before you came to Christ, and there's only one way to come to Christ, and that's by hearing and believing and obeying him through baptism. That's why Jesus said, He that believes and is baptized shall be what? Saved. Outside the Christ, before you come into the family of God through his blood, you are not saved. But when you come to him through obedience to his will, repenting and being baptized, then you are saved by his blood. You become a part of his people, a part of his family, a part of the church. He says in Colossians chapter 1, we have been delivered from the domain of darkness and have been transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. We're in his kingdom. So we've been brought out of the domain of darkness, which reigns there with the prince of this world, into the kingdom of Christ. That's who the people of God are. They're his family, the church. They're called out. Purchased by his blood, Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. He told the elders, Be on your guard, for all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Who did he purchase with his own blood? Those who are members of the church. If you're not purchased by the blood of Jesus, then you're not a part of his family. You're not a part of his church. But if you're purchased by his blood, how do you reach his blood? How do you get purchased by the blood of Jesus? Most people today say, Well, you just... Accept Jesus as your personal Savior and pray some prayer. That's not what you read in the scriptures. That's what a lot of people teach. That's amazing to me that many of the preachers and teachers throughout this world will teach sometimes good lessons. But then when it comes to telling an individual, when it comes to calling people out of the world that they might be purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ to be in his family, that they might be a part of the church, they won't tell them. From the greatest well-known preachers in this world on down, they won't tell them. You just listen to Billy Graham and his crusade, for example. He can preach some very good lessons and get right down to the end and where people need to know what they need to do in order to be saved. And he'll say, just accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Is that what the Lord said? No, the Lord said... He that believes and is baptized should be saved. Billy Graham says, Every who will accept the Lord in the, as their personal Savior, accept Jesus. How do you accept Jesus? You've got to be purchased by His blood. Well, you can't. I think we all agree that we're saved by His blood. Even Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says that we are, through His blood we have the redemption of our sins, the forgiveness of our transgressions. It's through His blood. We're washed clean by His blood. (coughs) Revelation 7 verse 14, those we read about who'd washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. We're saved by the blood of Jesus, but how do you reach it? Is it by praying the sinner's prayer that you don't read about in the Bible anywhere? used to go down and work and study with people in the jail, and they'd be people who uh, were part of some of those very crusades, and they would leave some of those t- uh, little pamphlets in the in the jail there. And it says the gospel is simple as A-B-C. And it would say, accept, believe, and confess. And that's all that you need to do to be saved. Well, we need to accept the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. There's no doubt about that. And we must believe it. Accept it, believe it, we must be willing to confess it. Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 32, that we must be willing to confess him before men. But that's only part of what Jesus said. Jesus also said that we must repent. He says if we don't repent, we'll likewise perish. Luke 13, verse 3. And he said he that believes in is baptized shall be saved. And that's not only what Jesus said, but what it... His disciples preached. In fact, he told them to go and preach it, and the first time they preached the gospel was in Acts chapter 2. And when men asked what to do, to, uh, he told them by inspiration. They'd been pricked in their heart by realizing that Jesus was the Christ and the Son of God. Peter concluded his sermon saying, Let the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ this Jesus, whom you crucified. It says, when they heard this, they were pricked in the heart, and they cried out and said, Brethren, what shall we do? And did he say, like, for example, Billy Graham? Just accept Jesus as your personal Savior. And pray this prayer, God, for the sake of your Son, Jesus, come into my heart. That's the way he concludes his crusades. No, by inspiration, Peter says, Repent let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is to you and your children and all those who are far off, many of the Lord will call himself. That's what the Lord says. That's how a person becomes a member of the church. You know, later in Acts 2 there, it says, that with many other words, he kept persuading them, saying, be saved. What, what are we talking about? We're talking about being saved. Being saved from this perverse generation. He told them to repent for the forgiveness of their sins. You can't be saved till you get the forgiveness of your sins. You can't be uh, saved and have the forgiveness of your sins to you repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So he persuaded them to be saved from this perverse generation. And it says there in verse 41, those who had received his words were baptized. About 3,000 of them on that day. And it tells us the last verse of that chapter that those who were being added to the church were being added by the Lord, such as were being saved. Being added to the what? To the church. That called out group of people, called out by the gospel, called out of sin to be purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, through repentance and baptism. And it's those people who are the pillar and the support of the truth. As we said, the truth does not depend upon them for its power or its sufficiency or its accuracy, but it does depend upon them, these blood-bought people of Christ who are called out by the gospel. The truth depends upon them for its proclamation. If the word of God is going to be proclaimed, it's going to have to be by the church. Because there are those who will claim to be the church who won't preach it. There are those who may have their crusades and be have thousands of followers. But many times it's not popular to preach the truth. Why do men not complete? They tell the truth, or they may preach a lot of the truth, but you remember in Psalm 116, or one one nineteen, verse 160, we said that the sum of thy word is truth. You can't you can preach all of it but a little bit. Preach all of it till it comes down to what you need to do to be purchased with the blood of Jesus. You can preach it all and preach a good message till it comes down to what you need to do to be called out of the world and become a part of God's family, a part of the church. But if all you say is you need to accept Jesus as your personal Savior and pray the sinner's prayer, then you're preaching something that's not in the New Testament. It's not found anywhere in the Scriptures. But I can read in the Scriptures where the Lord said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. I do read when the first gospel sermon said, Repent be baptized, everyone, in the name of Jesus Christ. I can read where Ananias came to to Saul and Acts 22, verse 16, and told him to rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. But that's not what many people proclaim. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, tells us the manifold wisdom of God is made known through the church. His manifold wisdom. Now you think about God's wisdom manifold as many parts, many dimensions to God's wisdom. It's far beyond our wisdom. You know, men try to come up with their own wisdom. And they think it's all right to become uh, a part of God's people simply by praying some prayer. But that's man's wisdom, not God's wisdom. God's wisdom, why, why don't he choose baptism? Why don't he, he say, repent, be baptized, that you might be saved? Well, that's God's wisdom. And it's not just something he arbitrarily chose. You know, if God said, Repent and stand on your head. You know what we'd have to do? (laughs) We'd need to stand on our head. Might be easier for some of you than the rest of us, but we'd have to try. But God just didn't arbitrarily choose something in order to be a part of his family, the blood-bought people of God. He chose something that was in line with what Jesus did. Jesus died, and Jesus was buried, and Jesus was raised from the dead. For our justification. And Jesus tells us that we need to die. His disciples teach that we need to die to sin. That we need to be buried in baptism. And we need to be raised. Just as Jesus was raised. And Paul explains that in Romans chapter 6. That we were, in verse 3, he said, do you not know? And who's he talking to? He's talking to the, to the church. These called out people who are to proclaim the truth. He said, do you not know that all of us who've been baptized have been baptized, what? Well, I tell you what, the denominations, they won't proclaim the truth. They say you've been baptized as an outward sign of an inward grace. That's what they say. You've been baptized as, as, as a, a representation, the, the fact, the show that you've been saved. That's what the denominations teach. But That's not what the truth of God teaches. And that's not what the truth is proclaimed by the church. He says that Do you not know that all has been baptized into Christ who've been, ba-, he said, You've been baptized into his death. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. People who belong to the Lord, to the family of God, those who proclaim the truth. And he's reminding them of what they're to proclaim. Reminding them of what they had come in obedience to. Do you not know that all that's been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? And just as Jesus was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, he says, so we too are raised to walk in newness of life. Jesus died and was buried and was raised, and we died of sin and we're buried in Christ where we reach his blood and his death, been buried with him. He said you're buried into his death, And we're raised what? Raised to walk in newness of life. The denominations don't proclaim that. For example, Billy Graham, he didn't. he didn't proclaim that. Neither does his son. They say you accept Jesus as your personal Savior and you're saved. accept Jesus as your personal Savior and pray some prayer and you have life. And then you're baptized. You're buried. That's kind of got it backwards, don't you think? You died of sin and you're buried. What do you you bury? You bury someone dead. Jesus died on the cross. He buried him and he raised alive. We die to sin, we're buried into the death of Jesus. Paul said that's baptism. Do you not know all of have been buried in the death of Christ, been buried into his death? Buried into death, and then you're raised to walk in the of life. Not that you are dead in sin, then you're made alive, and then you're buried. The truth depends upon the church for its proclamation, and we must proclaim it in its purity. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21, God is glorified through the church in Jesus Christ. God is not glorified when the truth is not preached. But he is glorified when the truth is preached. And it's our responsibility to preach it. It may not be popular. But Romans chapter 10 and verse 14 says, How shall they call upon him whom they not believe? And how shall they believe on him whom they not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? how shall they preach unless they're sent? And the, the answer to that is that they won't. There's many who are going forth and preaching something that's not the truth, but it's the church who is the pillar and the support of the truth. And we must proclaim it in its purity. You look at 1 Peter chapter 2, and verse 9. Who are we as the church of God? Who are we as the people of God? Well, there's different ways that we're spoken of. In verse 9, he says you're a chosen race a royal priesthood a a holy nation a people of God's own possession but he tells us the responsibility that we have to proclaim the excellencies of him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light God has called us that's the church and he's called us out of darkness into his light into his kingdom that's the church and what responsibility do we have we have the responsibility to teach the same truth to other people as to how we've come to be in that relationship with God. We are to be the pillar and the support of the truth. The truth depends on the church for its defense. You remember Jude wanted to write to his fellow brethren concerning their common salvation. I'd say much like what Paul was saying to the brethren in in Ephesus. But he saw something that was a pressing need of his time. He said that he rather wrote for well, the faith once for all delivered that we might stand and defend that. We must defend the truth. Those who love the Lord claim to be a part of Jesus Christ must defend the truth you know there are some people who take like i said part of the truth but won't take all the truth and therefore if somebody waters down the truth turns the truth into something that, that promotes something other than the spiritual things that we read about it in the scriptures then then a lot of people don't think anything about it that's not standing for the truth a lot of people when they go to church they're not looking for those who are teaching the truth in it alone and who are practicing the truth in it alone. I don't tell you, brethren, that's who we need to strive to be. We ought never take for granted that that's just who we are because maybe that's what the people who met in this building were in the past. What we need to be is the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Christ or Christ's church. Everybody you want to say it. But we're people who belong to God. We are belonging to Him as a result of His uh, being purchased by His blood. And we are to be those who are a pillar in the support of the truth. So if anyone ever preaches anything contrary to the truth, or wants to practice something contrary to the truth, we ought to stand and defend it. There are many churches of Christ throughout our nation. There are some in this county. People who claim to be the church of Christ, who are not proclaiming the truth, nor are they standing to defend the truth. And they've made the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth, something that's watered down, something that promotes the material and the social and the recreational, and it is not the truth. In Paul's day, there was those who proclaimed a different truth, a different gospel. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6, he's, he was amazed at them. He said, I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which he says, really, there's not another, but only some are trying to disturb you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But he said, if we or an angel in heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary than that to which preached to you, let him be accursed. I want to tell you, that's a strong word, anathema, accursed. That means to be damned, is the idea behind that. Anybody that would preach something other than the truth of God, some other gospel than the gospel of Jesus Christ, Paul said, let him be accursed. And he says, as we said before, I now say again, if any man is preaching you a gospel contrary to what you receive, let him be accursed. You say, well, how could you get up and talk about somebody that, that preaches to, uh, a good lesson to people? Just because he leaves out some little detail at the end. I want to tell you, if you leave off any of it, you're not teaching the truth. And if you give a a man the idea that all he has to do is to pray some prayer and accept Jesus mentally as your personal Savior in order to be saved, you're in opposition to the truth. And there's most of the people who claim to be preaching the truth are not preaching the truth of God. And the truth depends upon the church for its proclamation and for its defense. You look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. He said, we, we're to speak it, we're to defend it, and we're to refute those who contradict it. The truth. You know, elders have a great responsibility in the congregation, and every congregation needs to work toward having elders. Here he charged the elders in Titus chapter 1 and verse 9 with a responsibility to hold fast, to the faithful word. That's the truth, in it? The faithful word. The truth which is in accordance with the teaching that he might be able to exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. But we live in a society where, no, you don't contradict anybody, right? Don't want con- to be p- politi- not politically correct. <laughs> You know, everybody's okay. You believe what you believe. I believe what. We've got community churches now who claim to be non-denominational. They ought to take that down off their side. They are not non-denominational. They're any denomination. They just accept anything. I We just come together to agree to disagree, and you, you have your faith, and you have your faith, and I have my faith, and, and we'll all agree to disagree. But that's not standing for the truth and exhorting sound doctrine and refuting those who would contradict that doctrine. You know, there's no such thing as Church of Christ doctrine. There's only the doctrine of Christ and it's the truth. And that's what we must strive to proclaim and that's what we must strive to defend. But it does no good unless we strive to practice it. You can get up and preach it and you can even try to defend it. You know, there's sometimes people try to defend the truth and they're not living it themselves, but I want to tell you, you can't give what you haven't got. And it doesn't hold water when you preach it, but don't try to live it. That's the difficult part, isn't it? We can say we have the truth and we proclaim the truth, but to be pleasing to God, we've got to have an influence on those around us. And we must practice the truth. And I think this is what Jesus is talking about. Is he's talking about those who are the family of God. The citizens of the kingdom of God. Even in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. When he tells us there. That we are the salt of the earth. But if salt has become tasteless. How will it be made salty again? It's good for nothing. Anymore except to be thrown under. And trampled under the foot by men. He said you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp. And put it under a. A bushel, but on a lampstand. And he gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine. Who? He's talking about the people of God. This would have reference later to the church, the kingdom of God. Talking about people who are called out and bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Who are to be a pillar in the support of the truth. He said, you let your light shine in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. The truth depends upon the church for its proclamation. Truth depends upon the church for its defense, and they're the only ones who's going to practice it. And therefore, they need to be acting like it. First Corinthians chapter one verse ten. He's writing to the church at Corinth. Here were blood bought people of God, but they wasn't practicing the truth. They wasn't in unity with one another. And again, unity the Bible talks about is not just coming to agree to disagree. They were to come together and to be the church of God and follow the truth and get along and not bend the truth but bend themselves unto the truth and be unified. And he said in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10, I exhort you, brethren, in the name of Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that you be no divisions among you but that you be made complete in the same mind the same judgment. Now, again, that's not talking about coming together and agreeing to disagree. You look over to Ephesians chapter 4. This idea of of being unified and being non denominational by coming together and just believing whatever and not preaching the truth or defending the truth, he says you've got to practice it. And to do that, he says, then you'll be in unity. In verse 2, he says, With all humility and gentleness and patience, showing forbearance toward one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit, the bond of peace." There's the difference. Right there's the difference between community churches who come together to, uh, to agree to disagree and call that unity. These, he said, are to be in the unity of the Spirit. You know what the unity of the Spirit is? It's the unity of truth. The Spirit revealed the truth. He's called the Spirit of what? Truth. He revealed the truth of God. First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 and 10 there it talks about how he searched all things, even the depths of God's mind has revealed that to us. That's what we've got. We've got the truth of the Spirit. And if we'll take the truth of the Spirit and if we'll live it and live by it and worship by it, then we'll have the unity of the Spirit. We won't have this idea of agreeing to disagree. Notice he says, there'll be oneness. He said, be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, and yet the denomination of the world says there's many religious bodies. He said, there's one body. Just you're called in one hope you're called. We've been called, called by the gospel, and therefore we've got one hope. He says, there's one Lord. How many faiths? All oh, many faiths. And he says, all you got to do is just Pray the sinner's prayer, and no matter what your faith, then you can be saved. That's what the denominations teach, but to not proclaiming the truth, not being a pillar and support of the truth. He says there's one Lord, one faith. That's what the Bible says. How many baptisms? I said it really doesn't matter. If you sprinkle, if you pour, Holy Spirit baptism. The uh, Pentecostals, they can believe that. Whatever you want to believe, as long as you believe in baptism. Some way. Baptism, not for the forgiveness of sins, but because you've been saved. How many baptisms are there? He says there's one baptism. One God, one Father, who is over all and through all and in all. Now it's up to me to determine which baptism it is. It's up to me to determine what the one faith is. I believe that we can determine that by following this book dead along. It's not my idea. It's not, like I said, there's no Church of Christ doctrine, there's just the doctrine of Christ, and it's here. And if a man, I don't care how, where he stands, where he's standing in the middle of a, a football field with thousands of people around him, if he gets up and says, all you need to do is accept Jesus as your personal Savior and pray the sinner's prayer, and he can hold up the Bible, but if he'll open up his Bible, he'll find that the words of Jesus contradicts what he says. In Mark 16, 16, it says, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Or you can turn over to Acts 2 and it says Repent, let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Now what would you take? I'll take the truth. And the church is to be the pillar and the support of the truth. To proclaim it, defend it, and to practice it. It depends upon our preaching it and our striving to live by it that people may see it. I'll close with 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 where it says this message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and there's no, in him and there's no darkness at all and if we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness we lie and we do not practice the truth. We've got to strive to live it show it in our lives and we've got to try to preach what only the Bible preaches. What it, what it alone says. I'm so thankful that God has written the Bible in such a way we can understand it. That somebody as simple as I am can understand it. Paul said that we could. It would just take for what it says, it alone. But we as God's people must be the pillar and the support of it, defend it. I bet you're here this morning and you've never come unto Jesus. Never come to be a part of his family, his household. But we've been called with the gospel to do that. And the gospel message is that we believe that Jesus is Christ. That we be willing to confess that. That we be willing to repent of our sins, to change and make our will his will. To try to start practicing what he would teach us in his truth. Be baptized for the forgiveness of for our sins. That will get us on the road to being in his family and so we can practice the truth throughout our lives. But that's what the Lord said that we must do in order to be saved. If you're here and you've not done that, you can be. We'll assist you in what the Bible teaches to become a Christian. If you're here and you've, you've done that in the past, have not been living like you ought to, not been maybe practicing the truth in your life, in your sin, your life, then won't you come make things right right now while we stand singing the song.